My name is Nancy Farrow, also known as Mama Lou, and I'm the founder of Epic Experience. Epic Experience mission is to empower adult cancer survivors and thrivers to live beyond cancer. I hope that as you listen to Campfires of Hope, Living Beyond Cancer, you find hope, healing, and empowerment. Through stories and education, we aim to guide those impacted by cancer and more importantly, offer love and support to anyone out there who needs it. This is Beyond Cancer. Hello, everyone. This is Gail, a.k.a. Sunshine. Today, we have Lena Rutherford joining us around the campfire. Welcome, Lena. Hey, Gail. Thanks. Good to see you. It is so good to have you. Thank you for joining us. So first, I know a little bit about you, but I want you to share with everyone else um, a little bit about yourself, your background, where you're from, things like that, and then also include one fun fact. Okay. So I am in my 20s. I'm originally from Colorado, which is where camp is. And I went to school for data science and have worked in that industry since college. I moved to Chicago right after college and lived there for a few years before my diagnosis. And I have a lot of interests and hobbies. I like to do a lot of outdoor and active things like Hiking, volleyball, biking, pickleball, skiing, kayaking, rafting, all those kinds of things. And I also like to do creative things like singing, painting, drawing, writing, dancing, things like that. I love playing games. Uh, And I also have a background in Christianity. So I enjoy going to church and being involved in that community. And I'd say one fun fact about me is I can sing the alphabet backwards. Okay, that's impressive. That is so funny you mentioned that because just today I was looking something up and trying to remember where Q was in the alphabet trying to go backwards. And (laughs) my brain was not having an easy time with it. So I am super impressed that you could do that. Of all of your outdoor activities, what would you say is your favorite if you had to pick one? Mm, kayaking or paddleboarding. I just started yeah. to get into that. The water sports. What? I was going to say water sports. Awesome. Yeah. So you mentioned your diagnosis. So you were living in Chicago at the time that you were diagnosed. Is that right? Yes. So tell us about that. What happened? Symptoms you were having, surgery treatment, the whole diagnosis uh, story. I have had health issues for probably five years or something like that and had different diagnoses throughout that time. Probably had cancer for at least a few years before my diagnosis, Mm. but hard to pinpoint where that starts and where other things end. The more definitive starting point was I had a little lump on my right collarbone and I noticed Mm. it in October of 2021, the week I was going in for a physical actually. So very serendipitous. I mentioned Mm -hmm. it to my primary care doctor and she said, okay, if it doesn't go away in a month, we'll get an ultrasound. And it didn't go away in a month. So she ordered an ultrasound 
And it took forever to find an appointment with that um, Chicago medical system. So I had not booked it. I came home for Christmas. My mom was like, you have to get your ultrasound. This is not normal. And I was like, it's fine. There's nothing wrong. Uh, Had it been growing during this time or had it just stayed the same, basically? It stayed the same. I mean, it was smaller than like my pinky. So I wasn't concerned about it. But, um, you know, I had been struggling with like fatigue and anemia and like had high C-reactive protein and all of that throughout the year. So there were definitely like still unexplained health problems going on. Anyways, I finally got the ultrasound in January of 2022. And I was back in Chicago after being home for the holidays and I got the results from the ultrasound via email, like mm. a few days after I had it, which was a super crappy way to get. Yes, I would agree. Um, I read it on like a Monday night after work. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to check my email before I work out and grab dinner. And it said concerning for lymphoma or metastatic disease on the email um, results. So Apparently, my primary care doctor also never got the results sent to her due to some administrative error. So no one ever followed up with me about it. But I I called my parents that night and my mom told me, you're flying home tomorrow. So I flew back to Colorado the next day, very, very last minute, and saw doctors that we knew in Colorado and got basically a bunch more testing for a month, ended up with a diagnosis of stage two Hodgkin's lymphoma Mm. by mid-February. And I started chemo in mid-February. At first, I thought it was just going to be two months and ended up actually being six months of chemo. So through the uh, middle of July. And then they wait a month to test to see if the cancer's gone. So I was declared in remission in mid-August. So this whole time, I had no idea I was going to be in Colorado that long. So I literally packed like for a week and I ended up being there like through the summer. And then um, this is a little bit extra, I guess, but my lease in Chicago ended up getting terminated in um, October. And I was like, well, I can't move back to Chicago. I'm not well enough. And I don't know if I want to store my stuff out there. So I ended up officially moving back to Colorado and bringing all my stuff back. So it was quite an unexpected journey. So all of that basically ended about a year ago. Yep. I mean, if we're in (laughs) September. And since then, what has your follow-up been like? Well, as I'm sure you and many listeners know, after chemo ends, you're not better. (laughs) You're still very sick. (laughs) Yep. You might be gone, but your body is very beat up. Um, So the last year has been a lot of recovery. I started seeing a naturopathic doctor Mm -hmm. who's changed my life and helped me a ton with my recovery. Uh, I started slowly working my way back up to part-time and full-time. I just started going full-time again, I think in April of this year, maybe May. So it took a while. And I also didn't have an established social system in Colorado, Mm -hmm. no friends like from high school or anything. So I've just been trying to meet people and build a life in Colorado and have enough energy to do things, Mm -hmm. but thankfully I do now. So you were, how old when you were diagnosed? 24. So young, what was the mental and emotional impact? And you just hinted at it a little bit. There was the social component. Here you are coming home and not only do you 
are you looking for a social network? You have this other thing called cancer that probably a lot of people your age have not experienced. What has that been like for you? It was very challenging, but I felt strangely prepared for it because Hmm. I had gone through a major depression prior to that. And just also the general challenges of moving to a new city and being lonely and trying to figure that out. So it was a very fascinating place to be in because I had a lot of really helpful tools for how to manage my mental and emotional health going into chemo. And I was able to process it as I went. I also was blessed to be able to take off four months of work and be on disability leave during chemo. So I was able to be fully present. My dad worked from home so I could talk to him anytime I needed Mm -hmm. support or just someone to talk to. So that helped a lot, but it was still very hard. Um, There were certainly times where I wanted to quit and I knew I really couldn't. Um, I was stuck in the house all the time, which was a bummer and couldn't really see people. One way around that was I started reconnecting with old friends and doing catch-ups via FaceTime. That was a good way to fill my social bucket. And my family is all in Colorado, my immediate family. So I was Mm -hmm. able to see them, which is nice and hang out with our pets. Which is always awesome. Exactly. (laughs) Did you find that your relationship with your parents, uh, do you have siblings? I have a brother. Yep. Did you find that your relationship with any of them changed as a result of your diagnosis? Um, I've always been very close with my family. So if anything, we just got closer. Yeah. Definitely cried more with my parents than I ever have. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, just as hard as it was for me, it was also very hard for them. So whenever I got really tough news, a lot of times my dad would be crying with me Mm because he was also in pain and sad. Um, But it was therapeutic in that way too, to like be able to really rawly share our experience and emotions together. Yeah. I think it also was a weird place to be in because there were times when I literally could not bathe myself. (laughs) Like when I got yeah. my port in, it was so painful. I could not lift my arm and I had a pick in still at the same time. So I literally could not move yeah. or use my right arm. So I had to like sit in the bathtub and <laughs> my mom's sponge bathing me and like saving my armpits. Yes. <laughs> it was uh, a weird place to be in. Like I felt like a toddler again. Yeah, that that is definitely an odd place to be because you probably don't remember it as a toddler, but you're never going to forget it now. <laughs> I'm like, I'm an adult woman and I have to be bathed. (laughs) Exactly. You know, I'm curious in reconnecting with your friends, how did they respond? Did you find that they were not knowing what to say? Were they supportive? Were they kind of, how, how did they respond? They were very encouraging and supportive. I think, um, you know, some people don't know what to say other than like, I believe in you or like you can do this mm-hmm. and other people can relate in different ways, like going through their own version of hard times. Mm-hmm. But yeah, generally I just received a lot of support and kindness and encouragement. And one really cool thing that my mom did is she put together what's called team Lena. And she basically did an email blast to all of our friends and family and my brother made a blog website for me and we would send updates to them and it was very therapeutic for me i would write out how my week went or how each chemo went put photos 
And then my mom and I made t-shirts and she sent them to all our friends and family for free. And um, we asked them to take pictures in the t-shirts and send them to me. Very cool. So that was really encouraging to see people like, oh, we're in Costa Rica thinking of you or like, we're going to take you on a hike virtually with us or I don't know what else, but there there were just a lot of really sweet things that people did with their t-shirts and what a neat way to build community. I mean, that really, that is cool. Yeah. One other thing we did that really helped was um, I had chemo every other Wednesday and we would email everyone Tuesday night and ask them a question and have them answer it over email so I could read through them on Wednesday and feel like I wasn't alone and kind of distract myself. So that was helpful. That is really cool. So it does, it does sound like you had a lot of support and yet you were also struggling. You mentioned, you kind of mentioned, so before you came to Epic, where were you physically, mentally, emotionally? Like what was life like for you at that point? I was starting to feel better. And I was able to do active things like volleyball. I did my own rafting trip uh, and things like that. But very much just, I almost felt like I was putting my toe in the water. Hmm. Like, okay, what can I do? I was still afraid to go hiking. I wasn't sure if my body would be able to handle it. I was considering moving out so I could be on my own. I finally worked my way back up to full-time at work, but I wasn't super loving it. I still had to take naps. I still take naps today. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I say that's generally where I was at. And after Epic, I felt very inspired and energized. I realized I can do more physically than I was allowing myself to do. So it helped me overcome that fear. And it also reignited my adventure spirit. It made me realize I am an adventurous person. Before I felt like I thought adventurous things were cool, but I didn't really feel like I did much that was adventurous. And now yeah. I'm like, yeah, I am that person. <laughs> <laughs> so did you have expectations along those lines going to Epic? Like, had you heard anything about the adventures that you might go on before you went? I definitely looked at the website beforehand. So I knew we'd be doing some form of like rafting or hiking. Mm-hmm. And I knew it, it would be with other cancer survivors. And that's the only expectation I had. I was like, I'm just going to have fun doing some kind of outdoor activity with other survivors. And it sounded like you came with a willingness to try these things that you weren't sure if you could do, which is yeah. awesome because you found out you could, right? Mm-hmm. And so it sounds like one of your key takeaways is that you are adventurous. You are this person that you weren't sure if you were, and you have found out that you are. How has that impacted your life since you've been home? And I know you just went this summer, so you've only, what, it's been maybe a month, month and a half since you went. So in that time, how has that lesson kind of played out in ways uh, at home? It has played out in some major life decisions, actually. So before camp, I was going in and I was contemplating what I wanted to do with work. And as I mentioned, thinking about moving out. And after camp, I decided I don't want to go live in an apartment 10 minutes from my parents' house for a year. I want to go travel. I can do it. I feel like I can do it now. So I actually decided to take a six-month sabbatical from work 
and travel the country and finish writing my book because campus made me feel like that was really important. So where are you going? Then when do you leave? Um, (laughs) Yeah, I'm on my sabbatical now. I actually started it last week. Awesome. Um, So I'm in Maine right now and I drove out here. So I have my car and I'm going to kind of make my way down the East Coast and wrap back around up to Colorado for Christmas. And then I'll have three more months after that. So we'll see where I go after that. That's awesome. Why Maine? Why did you start there? Um, so Mr. Gidea at camp is from Maine. For those who don't know, he was one of the volunteers and he's also on the board. And he was telling me during camp that Maine's so beautiful. And he was telling me all these places I had to go in the Northeast. And so when I got the idea to travel, it was just on my mind. And I wanted to go somewhere I hadn't been before. So I thought it was a good place to start. That's amazing. And has it met your expectations? Yeah, I'd say so. Awesome. Yeah. That is one I'm place. Really, I'm... Oh, I was just going to say, I'm really looking forward to seeing the fall colors. In a uh, that's exactly. That's what I've heard is that it's amazing. Well, is there anything else that you would like to share with someone listening? Something I haven't asked you about. Um, and also whether it's something for a survivor, specifically of Hodgkin's or any survivor or even a caregiver who might be listening. Mm. Well, so I gave a speech at a party that we held for Team Lena once I knew I was in remission. And I gave a very well thought out list of things that impacted me that they had done. So I think what I'd like to share with people is that when you go through something like cancer, you realize that the small things are really the big things. Hmm. And I mean that in a way that For me, during that time, knowing that people just cared about me and how I was doing made such a huge difference or that Mm. they just read an update like that made a huge difference to me because it can be really isolating going through something so difficult. So few people know about or Mm. have experienced themselves. So I think that's probably the biggest thing I would share with people. Yeah, that's great. Well, the most important question I ask people, of course, is marshmallows over a campfire, slow and steady, or flame and crispy? I usually burn them. Me too. <laughs> I love it. It's quick and easy, and, and I feel like the burn gives it extra flavor. I am with you. Well, Lena, thank you so much. This has been an absolute joy. I appreciate you taking the time to share with us, and thank you for sharing your insights in terms of uh, what other people can learn from going through cancer and hard situations like this. Yeah, my pleasure. Good to see you, sunshine. Good to see you too. (laughs) Until the next time we gather around the campfire, keep living beyond cancer. Thank you for listening to this episode of Campfires of Hope, Living Beyond Cancer. For more information about Epic Experience and our programs, or to donate, please visit our website at epicexperience.org. Music for this podcast is provided by Moonshiner Collective. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us so we can share our story with more people. Also, be sure to subscribe wherever you get podcasts so you'll know when new episodes are released. We hope you come back and join us for our next episode. Father.